0: Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by sales trainer, keynote speaker, and author, Victor Antonio. And we're going to be talking all around the topic of making the complex simple. We're going to be giving you some examples of what we mean by this, what and why do people sometimes make the simple complex, what are some of the main benefits from making the complex simple, and how you can become better at doing this. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Thanks for joining me on an episode of Not Other Sales Podcast. No worries, man. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, As always, um, you know, to start the podcast, I feel like it's a real benefit for uh, yourself to introduce um, to the listeners who may not be familiar with you a bit of an overview. So Victor Antonio is originally
1: from Chicago, born and raised. Uh, My background is I started out as an electrical engineer. Uh, To make a long story short, I was doing well in engineering. realized I didn't really kind of like engineering. And uh, eventually I discovered sales. And when I discovered sales, it's like I hit my hyper pad. You know what I mean? Like I found where I belong. Mm. Uh, So several years ago, more like 15, 16 years ago, I decided (laughs) to kind of start my own consulting business. So I've got 13 books Uh, I got over a thousand videos on YouTube, got my own, uh, learning management system called the sales mastery Academy online. And for more information, you go to victorantonio.com.
0: How's that? Great. Great. Perfect. It's pretty much summed it up when people say in a (laughs) nutshell, in a nutshell, there you go. There you go. (laughs) And very, uh, very simply put as well. Um, so Victor, you know, thanks again for joining me. And, you know, when we were talking about what should we talk about on the podcast, Mm -hmm. um, We both shared, I suppose, our experience in sales and what we've been through and some of the stuff we've seen that's worked. And so a lot of the stuff that we've seen that that haven't, and that's just as useful to learn from and grow. And Mm. we kind of came around this topic of, you know, I think the the stuff that really works is the stuff that is simplified when people just do the fundamentals, particularly in the world of sales. Mm -hmm. So around kind of just making the complex simple, which is, I think, everyone's goal, but not everyone's able to achieve it. Right. Right. when you hear the words, you know, making the complex simple, what kind of examples spring to mind as, as to what we might talk about in the world of sales? You know, for me, when I first started,
1: let's say really like, you know, when I first started in selling, you kind, I, I learned from my mentor. His name was Jose Santana. And I really watched this guy. And I realized that his technical knowledge on some of the technology we were selling. Now, we're, we were selling like you know, fiber optic networks. I mean, so these are complicated systems. And Jose was good technically, but he wasn't the best. And one of the first lessons I learned in selling was his ability to you know, establish rapport with anybody it was just amazing to me. Right. It's almost like he brought somebody like me along who had a technical background and he focused on just a relationship. So I thought that was interesting to see uh early on in my sales career that charisma, the ability to connect, the ability to treat people very nicely, uh-huh. made a big difference when it came to selling. And I, and I think sometimes we kind of shoot past that too quickly. And then, you know, people buy you, then they buy the product, right? And one could argue that maybe the market's changed a little bit since, you know, 20 plus years ago, that, you know, because budgets are tight, people really need to look at the product and then look at the relationship. So it's almost flipped. But I think in order to really understand and keep it simple is that you really have to put yourself, and I I believe we touched on this, Chris, on the pre-interview, is that one of the first steps I do is empathize with my customers, right? That's my first major step. Like, where are you at? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish? What are you struggling with? You know, and I think a lot of salespeople don't spend enough time really thinking about, you know, what's this guy going through? For example, if you have your own company, well, you're worried about certain things. If you work for a company, you know, the, the, the set of circumstances might be a bit different. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about keeping it simple, why don't we just begin with the simplest act of let me put myself in your position, take your point of view, really try to understand what you're going through, because then that will
0: allow me to figure out how I can help you. Yeah, definitely. I think you know, you, you've, you've mentioned it there, really. I think too often nowadays, everyone's rushing to get to their pitch, to their value proposition or what they've got to offer and, and miss out that valuable piece at the part at the start is where that's the golden nugget, really, because you're not able to really articulate what you can do for a customer until you fully understand them, really. Correct.
1: Someone once said to me, and I, and I wish I came up with this phrase, Chris, because it's such a beautiful phrase. They said, in order to sell more, you got to slow down to speed up. And I was like, what? You know, when I first heard it, I was like, what? Because this guy this is a good pattern interrupt, right? It's like, slow mm-hmm. down to speed up. And what they were talking about was that too often, as you just pointed out, rightly so, that we're, we're so anxious to get to the pitch. We're not even listening. We're just waiting to talk. Big difference, right? Mm -hmm. And so we run through the press, you know, we're listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we start pitching. Uh, By slowing down at the beginning, for example, really taking our time to understand, again, I don't mean to be redundant here, what the customer is going through, what they need, what they really want, and then figuring out how we fit is maybe it'll take you a little longer to ask those extra questions. Maybe it'll take another meeting to get what you want. But by slowing down, you seem to close the deal faster, and I think that's more true today than ever before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What what is it then? I suppose what and why do you think some people make the, the simple complex or just overcomplicate what they do?
1: The so so there's it's a great question because there's several categories of people, right? Some people think that you know that, that the sales process is very difficult, right? Like, do you often hear this, Chris? Uh, I, I'm just not a salesperson. I get that a lot. Victor, I'm not a salesperson, right? I'm just not meant to be in sales. And I always joke that you've been selling since the day you were born. You're always selling something, whether it's an idea, whether it's a goal, a vision, even when you're selling your enthusiasm, right? Getting people excited. We're always selling something. And so a lot of folks would think it's complicated when it really isn't. If we just get back to the human factor, one, I need to understand you, two, if I understand your business, Chris, the second step in my, my, my simple process, because I have a three-step simple process that fits any sales model. The first one I mentioned already is the empathy piece, right? Mm-hmm. So now, And then once I understand you, Chris, then I can shift. I can pivot. Once I've listened to you, understand you, I pivot to the education piece. And then I start educating you, helping you make or clarify your thinking. So I'm helping you make a decision by clarifying your thinking. I'm giving you information you don't have. And then the third step, so you, you, again, you empathize, you educate, and then you allow them, you empower them to make a decision. You guide them in the decision-making process. And if you really think about that simple formula I came up with, which is, you know, empathy, educate, then empower them. Every sales training program really has those three, those three critical elements. And I think people try to overcomplicate it. We've all seen sales processes where, you know, they have like, I don't know, 20 steps that you have to go through. To close yep. the deal. Now, who can remember that, Chris? I mean, let's think about this. Who can remember that? I think the only people who benefit from a twenty-step sales process is the person that came up with the twenty-step <laughs> sales process. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that sometimes we complicate it because you know I, that's that's human nature. We want to think it's harder than it really is. Do we have to know certain things? Yes. Boom. Understand the customer where they're coming from. Are we a fit? Two. Let me show them what we have. Let me educate them on why we're different, why we can help them grow their business, and then three, help them make a decision. And beyond that, I think it's just too complicated. And if again, I've traveled with some of the best salespeople, and whether they're selling us something simple or something complex, you never get away from those three steps. Why they make it complicated, I don't know, Chris. I think they, uh, I think sometimes they overimagine what they need to do. Maybe overcompensate. And then there's the other extreme, right, where somebody just goes in there and thinks they only have to say two or three things, and then they go for the close. Yeah, and that's just being lazy at that point. So, I, to me, there are two extremes. It's, it's finding that 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 moderating middle
0: that's always difficult. Yeah. For me, when I when I was thinking about you know why is it that some people do it and on purpose sometimes is because. We're in such a competitive world, particularly if you're talking about you know sales training and models and people essentially trying to reinvent the wheel to make them stand out. But they're they're trying to make them stand out in the wrong way because you know as as you mentioned at the start, I think people are a lot more informed on how they make decisions and you know, people say that someone's sort of seventy or eighty percent of the way there by the time they get to mm-hmm. speaking to you. Um, and I think what you need to do, rather than trying to differentiate your sales model or how you stand out in the twenty step process, is differentiate from using your own human being, your own natural instincts, really, about how you engage with people, as you said, at the start, through empathy, through educating them and through empowerment, not by trying to reinvent something that might look great on paper and fancy. But when you actually try and put it into a practical world, it just doesn't work. I agree with you. I, you know, uh, uh, Again,
1: restating what you just said, m- buyers are already somewhere in the 57 to 80% into the buying process, right? They already kind of know what they want. And when salespeople hear this, they think, well, then they don't really need me, right? Because they Uh they pretty much know a lot. And I go, no, it's it's quite the opposite. See, I think for the first time ever, Chris, we're more important than ever before. Salespeople are needed more than ever before. And the, uh, the reasoning is this simple. You know, I call it the equality of quality, right? The equality of quality, which means almost all products and all services are the same. They're, they're absolutely the same. Even if you came up with a, a minor differentiator today, somebody's going to come up and match that in two months, right? So yep. products are the same. You know, services are almost the same. So what is the differentiator? It's the ability of the salesperson to understand, again, the customer's business and say, here's how we're going to help you. Because what are people trying to do when they buy something? They're trying to solve a problem. But in yep. doing so and, and making that decision – what they want from you, Chris, as a salesperson is, you know, reduce my anxiety, increase my certainty or reduce my anxiety, but make me sure and certain that this is the right move for me, Victor, because there's too many options out there. I need to believe you, Chris. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. only through the education phase. And this is where you can't shortcut the process, right? This is it. You have to know your product better than the customer. And this is where a lot of salespeople fail. So if I could draw a a Venn diagram for you, Chris, in the air, you got to know your product. you got to know your customer's business. And then overlapping, you have to know what's happening in the market. Those three things overlapping wherever they intersect, that's where salespeople have to sell today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, And on your last point there as well. Um, you know, going on from what you've said is I think sometimes people overcomplicate it because they just don't understand it well enough. They don't understand either how to sell it or what they're selling because they've either been, either the business itself is fundamentally not set up in the right way to be able to clearly articulate what it does, or the salesperson hasn't really fully understood it to themselves. And, you know, we were talking um, before this podcast about, um, you know, I was speaking to a guest of mine on a previous podcast and she was talking about you know, if you can't articulate it to a six-year-old or an eight-year-old, then you know you really don't understand your products well enough or your solution. Oh, I love that. You know, there's a phrase I've always loved. Uh, it's there's a Latin phrase that goes something like this:
1: "Natura simplicitatum amat." Old Latin meaning: nature loves simplicity. And I'm always saying, and so do I, right? Because that's what the brain understands. That that is the natural processing of the brain. When you look at, you know, our, our decision-making system, right? You know, that, that that part of the brain, that reptilian brain that makes this fight or flight decision. When, when the brain can't understand what you're telling it because it's too complicated or it feels overwhelmed, it immediately moves into flight mode. And flight mm-hmm. mode, you'll get, uh, let me think about it. Now what's interesting is that people don't want to admit they don't know something so they'll say I'll think about it. Yeah. And you know, if I could tag on to that one more thing Chris, I think you'll find this interesting. There's something called information asymmetry. And information asymmetry is that for example, I am the seller, Chris, you are the buyer, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I know more than you, right? Almost if you look at information as height. My height is bigger because I know more than you. And you don't know enough. What happens is because there's this gap in knowledge, that is called information asymmetry. And when information asymmetry exists, customers go, oh, I don't feel like I know enough. So you know what? I'm not going to make a decision right now. We've all had that, right? Yeah. So so the job of a salesperson is to reduce that asymmetry by, remember the old phrase, eye level is by level, which means you simplify things to the point where anybody can understand if you're talking to somebody at this level make sure they get it at that level. So the ability to simplify is becoming an art, especially in a world that gets very complicated.
0: Mm, Absolutely. You know, no one wants to feel stupid when they're trying to make a decision. And I think, you know, on that point, um, you know, why do some people make the complex simple? I feel, for example, if people are coming from a training point of view or a management or coach point of view, they sometimes feel like they need to take an elevated position where they feel like, I need to show that I know more than this other person mm-hmm. so that they'll buy into me, but that isn't the case because they're thinking, oh, if I try and speak to them on the same level, they'll think they can gain no value from me. And that's the complete opposite. That's where you need to speak to them from, not this mm-hmm. elevated, superior position where you're overcomplicating things, you know, overusing certain words <laughs> and not being able to articulate what you're able to do. I think, you know, Warren, Warren Buffett said it perfectly, and I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but he said, you know, why put a policeman in an automobile when a cop in a car will do? There you go. There you-, <laughs> I, you, you We've all heard that person, you know, you
1: ask them a question, they give you this long, convoluted answer. Mm. And you go, what does that mean? Did you even say that? words came out of your mouth? But there was no <laughs> meaning behind it. And sometimes that maybe one of the answers to your question is why do we complicate things? It's because maybe they don't know it well enough. Mm-hmm. You know, because I believe it was Einstein that said something that if you know your material, you can simplify it. And I think a lot of people don't know what they're talking about, which means they can't simplify. Or, to your point, if, if, they, you know, if they do sound too simple, you know, that kind of undermines their credibility. So they need to yeah. sound smart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we've mentioned a, a couple of uh, benefits, but is there anything you can think of uh, that some of the other main benefits of, of why it's so important to make the complex simple? The, I think the decision-making process is the big one. Because
1: again, if I feel it's too complicated, I'm going to push back. Second, Mm -hmm. if we can simplify, I do a lot of sales training. I develop a lot of sales training programs for companies. And the thing is, uh, many of my programs, you can put it within no more than 50 pages, right? And Mm -hmm. I really shrink it down because I've learned that the ability to retain information is very difficult. There's There's a guy called Ebbinghaus who talks about retention, says within 24 hours, you'll forget 75% of what I said. Within 30 days, you'll forget 90%. And the 10% you're able to recall, 50% of that is incorrect, which means you only retain 5%. Now think about this, that that if people are forgetting the majority of information, how do we make it more impactful? That's our job as salespeople. Mm -hmm. How do we take a narrative within a presentation and make it memorable? And that's why I think storytelling is big, right? Being able to tell a story and then tie it to a point I think it's always key for anybody who's studied uh, you know, communication skills. It's always story, point, story, point, or point, story, point, story, which means tell a story, make the point, it's memorable, or make a point and then tell a story to reinforce it. And if you are doing a presentation and you're in sales, one of the things I always advocate is that there's three things you want the customer to walk away with, just three big ideas or so three concepts that tie into a narrative. What would they be? And if you can really hit those within your presentation or conversation, I think that's the best way to simplify something and make sure they walk away with the three concepts you want them to walk away with.
0: Absolutely. So it's funny you mentioned storytelling, actually, because I've, I've done a previous uh, podcast on you know the power of storytelling. And here's a, here's a little fact for you, which um, the listeners who've listened to that episode will know already. But uh, Harvard Business Review recently released some stats where if you're putting a stat or In a presentation or articulating it to someone, they're only likely to remember five to ten percent of it. If you attach Mm -hmm. an image to it, it jumps up to 25 percent. You put it in a story, it jumps up to 70 Mm percent. And you know, the, the point there was that you know, statistics are important, and sometimes we get um bombarded with them so much that we think that they're the main thing, but you need to be able to put them within a story within a narrative because that's the way people remember because it engages both parts of their brain and their emotive part, which is where they kind of create those anchors, which which I absolutely is, is then easier for them to be able to recall and be able to articulate to others as
1: well. Well, let me, let me add to that study. I just posted on my Instagram uh, channel, uh, Victor Antonio, uh, something that increases that number from 75 to 85, that if you involve them, it has, mm-hmm. I, it's called the learning pyramid. And if you involve them in the process of whatever you're doing, the number moves to 85. So everything you said, plus if now if I can involve you, let's say I'm doing a demo mm-hmm. and now I let you run the demo. I mean, that's even more effective. So, you know, I love what you're saying, man. You're dead on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, involving them, putting it into their world, you know, speaking to a business, don't just talk about it in your world, talk about it in their world, bring them into it, get them to start imagining stuff how it's going to change what they're doing now and how much more beneficial it's going to be.
1: Oh, I, you know, the, the more you can do that, I think, The and I'll give you, you know, if, if the theme is complexity towards simplicity, I just did an event, spent two days with a company. And I took their, I think it was like 45, 50 slides. They had three products, each had about 40, 50 slides each. And what I did was, Chris, I challenged them. Uh, We took the first product and said, okay, I want you to break that down into five slides. Oh, Chris, you should have heard the gnashing of teeth on that one. (laughs) They're like, oh, we can't do it. I mean, because especially those that have been in the business like 20 years, you know, the old Dodgers, they're like, oh, we can't do it. That's not possible. And And I basically said, yeah, shut up. It's possible. Do it. Broke them up into three teams, made it a competition. It took them four hours to get that thing down to five slides. So then each of the three teams presented so they can see what the other team came up with. And then I said, now based on what you saw, now I'm gonna give you two more slides. Now let's make it an awesome seven slide presentation. When they were done with that presentation, it was great, seven slides crisp, simplified to the point. I then made them look at the second product, same thing. This time instead of four hours, it took them something like two and a half hours, right? And by the time we got to the third product, it took them an hour and a half to take 50 slides to break it down to five slides. And all they needed to understand was structure when it comes to storytelling and hitting the major points. And so that's an example of, you know, they thought they needed 40 to 50 slides to explain something. But when I showed them that how the brain thinks and we can condense that, then they saw it, then it became possible. And the nicest compliment we got at the end or I got at the end was when a couple of people said, you know what? I didn't know these products well, so I was afraid to present some of these products because I thought they were too complicated but I can now learn these five to seven slides and I can present the product now, which was Mm -hmm. music to the ears of the actual CEO who was sitting in the audience.
0: Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. And obviously a great feeling for you as well. Yeah. But they did the work. I mean, but they just needed to see that
1: it could be done. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they think they need to put, you know, 10 pounds of stuff in a five pound bag and you don't need to give them everything. No. And, And so I think that, I think simplification, pulling back on information is an art also knowing what's enough and when to stop and shut up and ask for the order
0: yeah absolutely and i think you know not just from a customer's perspective or benefit but also from your own benefit when you're able to make the complex simple it allows you to be more natural and bring out your more of your natural style and what makes you good at what you do because you're not overthinking this 20-step process or trying to remember as you said 40 or 50 slides it's it brings more of your personality out, which is, of course, what people are going to buy into fundamentally. As you said earlier, if all the products and services are the same and they're seeing five or six presentations on the day, the differentiator <laughs> within that is for you. Oh, I, lo- I love what you just said. I mean,
1: that's gold what you just said, because there, there, there's a subtlety in, in, that, in, that, in that statement. And that is when you're able to reduce a presentation, let's say to five to seven minutes, which means you can probably deliver this thing in about 15 minutes. Right. Mm -hmm. But that gives you time to infuse from slide to slide your personality because sometimes you'll get a half an hour. And so now imagine that you're doing those five to seven slides and you can do, you can have one of two options. You can talk through it and maybe let it breathe, as I say, from slide to slide, you let it breathe with your personality engagement points, talking to the audience, or you finish within 15 minutes and now you have 15 minutes to have a great discussion. And again, in both cases, that's where your personality, but more important, your personal knowledge can Mm. really shine and be put on stage. So I I love what you just said.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've probably seen, as have I, you know, the presentations where literally they're just reading out what is on the slide deck. And all they sound like is a robot and they're not even facing the customer. No, they're back to the customer. (laughs) Trying to just throw everything at them. And the customer's like, what? Yeah. Uh, you don't you don't want it. By the way, you don't want to go to my one of my boot
1: camps. I'm brutal. I'm <laughs> brutal. I'm like, uh, for example, these uh, PowerPoint slides they put together, they were limited to five bullet points per slide and they were penalized. If they hit three bullet points per slide, that was good. Anything over that was like penalized. And then I would literally stop the presentation if they had seven. Just stop them dead in their tracks. Yeah. So don't delete that. Sit out and go do it again. Or, you know, as you said, I had some people who would turn their back. You know, mm-hmm. some people who would actually, you ever, you ever project something on the screen and then somebody goes over there and actually touches the screen. You're yeah. like, why, why are you touching the screen? <laughs> you, use your laser pointer. So it, 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 and even that, when we talk about simplicity, you know, speaking mechanics are very simple. There's certain things you do and don't do. We don't have to complicate this thing. And all you have to do is talk naturally without trying to sound too smart.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I suppose you know, we've talked to a, a, about a couple of points here, but how can people become better? If, if a listener's uh, tuning in right now and thinking, you know, maybe I do overcomplicate it, whether that be how I sell to people, how I present, what are some tips that you'd advise people that they could, they could start with to, make, to making mm-hmm. the complex simple? Um, well, let me just sound like a broken record right now. And
1: that is, you know, again, point of view is always important. So imagine, how would you like to be sold? Do you know what I mean? You ever talk to people and it says, mm-hmm. "How do you want to be sold?" And if you say to them, "Do you want the salesperson to be, you know, upfront, to the point, honest, sincere, and obviously know the product?" That's all they want, and they'll say, "Yeah, that's all I want." Well, then, then be that. It's okay to have the dialogue. A lot of salespeople, for example, are afraid to bring a price. I'm not. You know, the price is what the price is. You know, when it when, so I think the first step is to be, and I hate to say this because it sounds, I, I really sound like a motivational speaker, is to be fearless. And by fearless, I mean, you know, if you believe in your product, you believe what it can do for your customers, great, you know, then sell that way. And one of the questions I often ask people who, who are getting into sales, because I, I get this pushback a lot, Chris, they, you know, people say, well, I, I'm not really passionate about this product. And all I say to them is, do you, should you love the product you sell? Should you love the product you sell? And I would say, mm, not really. You don't need to love it. Here's what you need to love. You need to love what it does for your customers. Now, I want you to think about that for a second, Chris, because when somebody tells me, well, I have to love a product before I can sell it. Well, that's egoistic because you're thinking about yourself. But if you're selling a product that helps a customer increase revenue, reduce costs or expand market share, you need to love what it does for your customers. And I think that's key because, you know, if I if I know what it does for people. It's like if, if you discover some type of weight loss pill today, right, and you mm-hmm. tried it on a bunch of people, you'd be excited to sell it because you know that it will change their lives. So if you can love your product, not because you love it, but because you love what it does for your customer, that's where you begin. And a lot of people really don't understand, Chris, what their product or service can do for their customers. Yeah, they'll say, yeah, yeah, my product will help you save money. Well, how much money? You know, and well, how will that impact their business? I'll give you an example, Chris. I sell sales training, right? That's my thing. Mm-hmm. Let me t- let me tell you why I get excited about so- selling sales training. I know that if I can get you to sell the way I sell, you're going to make more money. You're going to increase your revenue, which means one of two things: one, you're going to probably hire more people or expand, you know, expand your business. Right now, you're going to hire more people, expand your business, but I also know that you have a hundred people working in that company, and because you're selling more, I know that a hundred people now have steady jobs because they're selling more effectively. Those 100 people have 100 families. And that's kind of how my mind works all the time. Mm -hmm. How can I help you? And I think that's the first step. you got to really love what it does for other people, other companies. And I think that's the starting point. Really understand the value of what you're offering. Step number two is when when you know that value, when you know it can help a customer, you're less likely to want to discount anything. Because if I know that my sales training can help you grow your revenue by, let's say, a million dollars a year, I'm not giving you a discount. Because I will show you how I can help you grow your business by a million dollars. And I think that's one of the biggest steps salespeople have to make. You really have to love what it does for your customer. And I yeah. would start there.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned that earlier, you know, when you talked about understanding what problem you're solving. Mm-hmm. I think that's, as you said, like the the the, the crucial first step. For making the complex simple because then you're able to really focus on that when you are going into a presentation cutting down mm-hmm. from 50 slides to seven because you know what problem you're looking to solve you're going to spend the time being able to understand what's important to the customer mm-hmm. um you know being able to show the right level of empathy then being able to educate them and empower them right so that all put together is you know is, is a fundamental way to think you know how can i just make this complex simple right and I think also it's come it comes from seeking feedback. You know, you mentioned there when you do your boot camp sometimes people will put six or seven bullet points on there or they'll keep going and you'll stop them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this I think some people, you know, worry about getting feedback from other people because they take it too personally, or some people mm-hmm. worry about giving it. But do you know what? Like you stopping them there, a the customer's may not be doing that, but in their head they may be switching off, which is exactly yes. the same thing. See, and that's because I care about those people that I'm teaching
1: mm-hmm. because it, it, it's what you just said, Chris. Again, you know, you, you put it better than that is the customer is not going to stop them. But I care enough to stop you mm. because I don't want you to lose any sales. So that's a great point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, seek feedback and give feedback. If people are practicing a pitch before they're going in, if you hear someone next to you who may be, you know, creating very complex conversations. Have a word with them, you know, because everyone's in it for not just themselves but each other. And you know, particularly in the world of sales, you know, we work alongside a lot of different people. I think they'll value that you come from the right place where you're looking to help make them successful, and that in itself will benefit you. Oh, I agree.
1: I think the as you're talking, the the the, the Bruce Lee statement quote came to my head when it comes to like learning. He said, "Absorb what is useful, discard what is not." and then add what is uniquely yours. And I've always loved that phrase, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and then add what is uniquely yours. And I want to remind people listening to this is that you have to sell your way. I know that sounds pedantic and maybe repetitive, but you got to sell your way. you got to find your style. You can try to emulate other people or mimic them, but at the end, you have to find what works for you. And how Victor sells and how Chris sells may not be how you want to sell, and that's why you absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and then add what is
0: uniquely yours. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I see it sometimes a bit like a pizza topping. You know, everyone loves pizza, but everyone mm-hmm. loves a different topping on that pizza. So you Correct. Know, pick out what you want, pick out what you don't. But at the end of the day, everyone loves the pizza. So just make Love it, it, it yours. Dude, you just made me hungry, too.
1: Uh, <laughs> the, you, know, you know, by the way, one what, what, what of the toughest challenges for me, this is like uh, confession time right here, that as a speaker, one of the biggest obstacles I had to overcome was accepting my style of speaking mm-hmm. because I, you know, I came from the corporate world. So I was very formal, right, in my speaking. Uh, and if you watch some of my videos on my website, you'll see that I've shifted towards this very uh looser style of speaking where i have fun with the audience but i educate them at the same time. You know, i'm always kind of throttling one back and forth between education, telling a story, you know, or doing something to keep them engaged. And it took it required a lot of, you know, me talking to myself, you know, uh, to say it's okay to do it this way, Victor. You know, i was having those conversations with myself. Let's do it this way cuz this feels more natural. And mm-hmm. sometimes we have to fight ourselves, our inner critic. Because our inner critic is telling us, I don't know if you're doing it right. Uh, I didn't see Chris do it that way, and Chris is really good. And my, my, you know, again, my brain had to say, yeah, but that's Chris. And you have to have that self confidence. Eventually, you have to develop that self confidence to do it your way.
0: Mm. Absolutely. So, staying on the topic of Victor, what you know, you've, you've talked briefly at the start around your story, where you are now, and how you've got there, but. What would you say has kept you motivated or, or driven you throughout those those years of, you know, creating a consultancy and building up to where you are at the moment? Oh, I
1: hate when they ask me that question because I have to be honest about it. So, it <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, uh, I really hate answering that question, but I, I, I said I'd never run from that question. The, what keeps me vote motivated is not wanting to work for anybody else ever again. It really does. I, you know, that is the most honest answer I can give you because I don't want to work for anybody else again I don't I am so unemployable right now you know what I mean I'm, I'm never yeah. gonna say I'm never going to say never Chris but let's just say you know I work hard never having to want to go back there's nothing wrong with working for somebody else that's not what I'm saying Just for me uh, no good. And so yeah. one of the things, uh, so that's part of my motivation. Uh, I don't want to, I want to have my own business. Maybe that's a more positive way of saying it that I just want to have my own thing. I don't want to work for somebody else. But what also keeps me motivated is that I love the art and science for me of selling. I truly love the art and science of selling. I just, it's just something that just, I don't know. I think it's something that could be studied to the end of days. And so I'm always looking for something different in the world of selling. What's changing? Like my most recent book, uh, Sales Ex Machina, which it talks about how artificial intelligence is changing the world of selling. To me, I'm looking at that going, okay, that's exciting. I want to talk about that because that's something new in sales. Uh, you know, years, uh, a few years back, it was all about what's influencing and persuading people. What are some different techniques? What studies are out there? So what keeps me motivated is learning about the art and science of selling and how it's evolving with technology right now.
0: Yeah. And, and on that, is there anywhere in particular, whether that be videos, blogs, particular individuals, where you source your inspiration from to, for your books or for your videos or for your talks, when mm-hmm. you're looking to, to find new ways in which people are looking to set the world of sales? Well,
1: I looked at my my situation about 10 years ago, almost to the date. Uh, uh, there's a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm sure you heard of Gary V. Absolutely. Yeah. So Gary V. wrote a book called Crush It, right? And yeah. it was about 10 years ago. And Gary V. wrote a book called Crush It. And he talked about video, 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 right? And it was around after reading that book. It's like I pushed all my chips in on video, right? So I have a total of about 1,100 videos online right now. And so, because I've been building over the years and, and I really believed what he was saying is that video is going to become a very, a significant part of how people learn and consume information. Uh, blogs are not going to, I mean, blogs are still popular, but articles are still popular, but video. And as, 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 the attention spans keep shortening, video is going to be more, you know, prominent. And so I had that in my head. So I started creating videos because I also realized that I like to consume videos so, again, I became my own customer. So how do I consume information? And most of it came back videos. What's now happening, and this is where Gary Vee's going, I kind of believe him, and that's why you're doing what you're doing is that podcasts are now becoming, you know, that mm-hmm. prominent channel for delivering great content like this channel you have, right? And so, you know, that's how I consume content. And that's if you want to be, I guess, recognized in the market for what you do, if you're not doing video or podcast audio, I think you're missing out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I read the, his newest book, Crushing It. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I started reading that when it came out, and that's kind of what inspired me to to go about doing what I'm doing right now. So it's very close to my heart. Oh, and,
1: there you go. You
0: know, it's, it's got some, some great stories in there, but some great practical advice in there as well. And I think it's really written in there. And again, when we're talking about the complex simple, it's, it's a perfect example of that. So I'd recommend anybody listening to this to grab a copy of that or get the audio version because it's well worth the read. Yeah, it's funny when you look
1: at, you know, I mean, it's again, I go back to that Latin saying that Natura to amat about nature loves simplicity. If you really study anything, the irreducible primary is always something very simple. If you talk to Warren Buffett and you say, How, how do you invest? He breaks it down in a very simple way. Here's what I do, right? Almost any expert you meet. Always simplifies it. He says, yeah, "Yeah, there's a lo- there's a lot of adornment. There's a lot of you know ornaments here and there, but really, here's the crux of it. And, but the thing is, there's two words that have to be tied in to that simplicity, and that is persistence and consistency. Right? Persistence will get you there. Consistency will keep you there. Right? So you have to be persistent. Like you just can't do one podcast and expect the world to recognize you. Right? And you have yeah. to keep banging away at it. And then you have to be consistent in your messaging." And so I add those two things to this, this model, because when we talk about branding, again, I think it's simplicity. People say, "Victor, how do you brand yourself?" And I'm like, "I don't know. Persistence and consistency. I don't talk about you know, leadership a lot. I don't talk about teamwork a lot. I don't talk about customer service a lot. That's not my thing. I am consistent in my messaging. This is what I do. This is what I do. And I think that helps a lot when you can simplify your message to the market. And that should be who you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you were mentioning that there, it kind of brought me back to a point earlier why people make the simple complex. And I think, you know, that phrase of it sounds too good to be true when you've got people simplifying it and people thinking, oh, that just sounds too easy. But as you say, what what you need to embody within that and build on that is this is where it comes down to you as a human being, you know, the persistence the patience the determination and the hard work which isn't always written on a bit of paper but right. you know what makes those successful people successful is because they keep it simple but they also put a hell of a lot of hard work within that as well and you know I, and i agree with you 100% and to add to that
1: that gary v book you read if you really zoom back and without having read that one in particular the i'm sure that a lot of stuff you were like yeah i know that yep mm-hmm. i knew that that makes sense, right? I mean, I, like I said, I haven't read the book, but I'm sure there, there weren't too many like, wow, I never thought of that. I'm sure there weren't too many of those in there because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the basics are the basics are the basics. And again, people want great content. They want consistency. They want you to be out there all the time. They want you to give them value. That's all they really want and be nice about it. And yeah. so maybe you can't charge a lot of money if you're simple. How's that? <laughs> 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 maybe that's why you got to make it sound complex. So you can charge more money. You know, well, it's a 30-step process, Victor. That's why you paid a lot of money. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so so for you, Victor, I suppose in the last 16 years or over your whole career, what's, what's been one, some of your biggest or the biggest challenge that stands out from the perspective of, you know, if I'm a listener, wanting to get into what you're doing and follow in your footsteps, but at mm. the same time in my own natural style, what's right. been the biggest challenge you faced and how have you overcome that? So the, the one thing was, and I'll tell you the story because I wanted to stick.
1: And that is when I first started in the speaking business, um, you know, one of the decisions I made was I, you know, I wasn't getting booked a lot and I wasn't having fun. Right. And so the only one I can control was the having fun. That's when I changed my style to me being natural so now I was enjoying myself. Now I still wasn't making money, Chris. Right? I wasn't getting booked, yeah. but I had driving business. But at least I was enjoying myself. So I solved one out of two problems. And then I remember talking to a guy named Randy Gage. Randy Gage is a speaker. Uh, Randy, last name Gage, G A G E. He probably doesn't remember this conversation, but as I was, I was in Florida. I was living in Miami, and I went to the Florida Speakers Association meeting for you know, for the National Speakers Association, the NSA. That was the FSA. And so in there, you know, I went to hear Randy speak. He's a great speaker. And during lunch, I kind of made it a point to maneuver myself right by this guy, right? And so I started telling him my woes, right? How, mm-hmm. you know, I know I have great content, blah, 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 but still not getting booked, right? The whole violin story. It was more like a cello on my arm, if you know what I mean. It was like, I was, you know, just sad stories, right? And then Randy asked me a question. He said, Victor, what business are you in? And without even missing a beat, I just said, I'm in the speaking business. He goes, no, you're not. He says, yeah, what business are you in? I go, "Uh, I don't know. I'm in the motivation business. He goes, no, I'm in the consulting business. No, training business, you know, just went on for a couple of more. And he said, no, I said, all right. And, you know, I was really restraining myself because I really want to say, all right, smart ass, what business (laughs) am I in? Right. And then he says, you're in the marketing business first. And my immediate reaction was like, "Screw you!" I mean, I didn't say that, but I'm like, "Screw you!" You know how you get, just get that thing, that little ego yeah. thing. I got ask "Screw you," but it was not until I left there, and this part I'm making up because I don't, you know, how it really happened. But there was a, something else. It was like, it was like a slow burn inside of me of what he said, and I really believe that that was the turning point for me when I sh- shifted from being a speaker trainer first. To being a marketer first because you can have the best product or idea doesn't matter if nobody knows you exist it does not matter Mm -hmm. and that Chris for me was like the biggest boom aha moment in my career and so when I started to see myself as a marketer first that's when things started to change and it was around that time that I read Gary V's book and so now I got that in my head right market well, how do I market? I don't know how to market. These guys are ahead of me, right? You got guys like Jeffrey Gittimer who were, you know, like way ahead of me. You got this. You got Brian Tracy out there. How am I going to compete? How am I going to market against these guys? I don't have the money. I don't have the pockets. I don't have the access to people. But then Gary Vee shows up. Well, ah, you know what? You don't need it. You just need video. And guess what? Google just bought out YouTube so you can market on YouTube. Yeah. And that's when I went all in with video to market myself. Nice. That was the yeah, one-two think, punch.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, that story is definitely going to stick with me. It's uh, you know, it's great, isn't it, having those things that you can recall at the time. And, you know, even though it felt impactful looking at it now, it probably means so much more than it even did back then, really. Oh, back then I was like, ah, screw you, Randy. <laughs> I was like, ah, screw you. You don't know what
1: you're talking about. But yeah. in the end, he knew exactly what he was talking about. And once, like I said, once I shifted that – way of thinking, uh, that's it. I mean, everything changed. So when I see people, you know, put out one piece of content or two pieces of content, I go, well, that's not going to do anything because I think now it's even more difficult. Now. I think you have to have more content like 10 years ago. If you put out a video a week or every two weeks, you were good. Mm -hmm. But today, if you're not pumping out, I'll just say, Gary says probably one every day. But if you're not pumping out at least two or three pieces of content a week, easy minimum, then I think you're falling behind the marketing curve.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going back to that story you mentioned about Randy, we talked earlier about giving and seeking feedback. If Randy hadn't said that to you, you know, you might have not ended up on the same path you are now. So it just kind of highlights the importance of when you are working with people, don't be afraid to seek and give feedback because that can be the turning point and could be a start to a whole new chapter of success. And,
1: and I think we have to, you know, keep our ego in check a little bit. Like for me, you know, my immediate reaction to Randy was screw you. But again, it just sat there, you know, like a hobgoblin, just nag it at me. And yeah. I, I think sometimes before we reject somebody's idea, and this takes time to learn, right? You learn over the years that, you know, instead of reacting negatively to some criticism or some feedback, absorb it, take the punch and then ask yourself, is there any validity to that statement? And and, mm-hmm. and then depersonalize, remove your ego. What's that statement? Your ego is not your amigo. You know, mm-hmm. and and I, and I love that phrase because I think it's true. It's like you know, sometimes our ego gets involved. We don't know how to ask for help. We don't know how to say I don't know, or just basically confess that you're struggling. Can you help me? And I think yeah. once you can get to that point, that's when I think you're secure with yourself, and I think that's when the real growth begins.
0: Yeah. And it's also reminding yourself or questioning why someone will have said that, not just what they've said, but putting it into context of, well, you know, why they've said that is because they want to help me because they're my colleague or they're my friend, or, you know, they work alongside me. And the more I benefit, the more they benefit. So right. it's just giving it that context, as you mentioned.
1: I, 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 would, I would add a small topspin to this conversation, you know, on listening to other people. Listen to other people who are doing something. Don't listen to idiots. You know, there's too many idiots out there who've never done it. And maybe they'll have a perspective that by standing outside the bubble, they can give you some perspective. But you got to be careful who you listen to. And so I always listen. See, I could not deny Randy because Randy was killing it, still is killing it. Mm. And so to me, that was credibility. And so when somebody doesn't have credibility, I take that with a grain of salt because sometimes, and I talk about this in my speeches, folks who give you bad advice are just dream killers. They don't want to see yeah. you get ahead. They'll give you all the negative feedback. And, you know, they're, they're not doing it to help you. They're doing it to basically hinder you so they don't feel bad in case you succeed. And so I think we have to be careful who we listen to, but be open to the feedback. And I think that's, you know, that's tough, Chris. You know, who do you listen to? And so uh, I always look at credentials, you know, mm-hmm. one of because I always get offers. Even today, I got a couple of offers. People want to say, hey, I can help you with your social media marketing. To which I respond, really, I said, let me see your YouTube channel or let me see your social media channels. I want to see how yeah. well you're doing. And I never usually get a response back for that. You know, yeah. be careful who you
0: listen to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, do you know, what, Victor, it's been a it's been a real pleasure speaking to you today. It's been great to hear your insights, your, your experience and also your stories as well. So thank you so much for joining me, Chris. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. And, you know, you mentioned um, a couple of times throughout the podcast, but for the listeners, how else can they find you and follow you in terms of the future stuff that's going to be going on in your world? If you Google Victor Antonio, you'll find
1: me or simply go to my website, victorantonio.com.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks again, Victor. It's been a real pleasure. And um, you know, I look forward to speaking to you soon. And hopefully we can do another episode like this uh, sometime in the future. I look forward to it, Chris. Thank you again you're very welcome and for the listeners out there thanks very much for tuning in for listening to victor and i and stay tuned for another episode of not another sales podcast hey people thanks for listening to another episode of not another sales podcast if you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes and posts you can find me on instagram not another sales guy underscore in each of those words You can also find the podcast on all major platforms by typing not another sales podcast and also if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn I go by the name of Chris Hatfield so thanks again and stay tuned for another episode Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by CEO and best-selling author of LinkedIn Unlocked, Melanie Dodaro. And Melanie and I are going to be speaking all about the importance of having a strong personal brand, particularly on LinkedIn. We're going to be talking about why this is important, what issues we can be faced when we don't have that strong personal brand in place, and most importantly, how can people begin to build a stronger personal brand Through social media. So sit back, grab a pen and pad, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by Master of the Persuasive Arts, the one and only Corporate Bro. Corporate and I are going to be talking all about common sales mistakes, the impact they have on ourselves and also our customers, both from a selling and a management point of view. Why do people sometimes fall in the trap of doing them? And, most importantly, how can these be avoided? So, sit back, grab a pen and pad, be prepared for a laugh, and enjoy! Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Not Another Sales Podcast. In the episode today, I'm joined by editorial cartoonist of the Wall Street Journal and author of How to Get a Meeting with Anyone, Stu Heinker, and we're going to be talking all about breaking through the noise. Stu's going to be sharing some examples of where this has worked over his career. We're going to be discussing some ways in which you can stand out from the crowd and also some common things to avoid. So sit back, grab a pen and pad and enjoy. Enjoy.